difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah, we breaking chains over here. Yeah, you can stay over there. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call that the alcohol only on. It is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Now, join me on the line. Once again, we are joined by Aldo Mir here. It's going to be helping us in translation. And this is a charge here. We'll be once again fighting. It'll be January 30th, only on the Shrine Exposition Center, PBC on Fox. It's Caleb Plant versus Caleb Truax. It'll be this man versus Alantes Fox. I give you once again, all the way from Mexico himself, I'll give you it's Armando Resendez. Uh, Armando, we'll start off here with you, Alantes Fox. Uh, it's a, why, why, why Alantes? I mean, he's six foot four. He's a guy who has a lot of experience. Why did you and your team agree to this fight? Hola, Armando. Eh, vemos que estás peleando el día 30 de enero con, en contra de Alante Fox. Y la pregunta sería, ¿por qué Aleante Fox? ¿Por qué ese boxeador que tiene experiencia, que mide seis pies con una pulgada y es un boxeador difícil? ¿Por qué tu equipo y tú escogieron este tipo de boxeador? Pues eh, creo que, que podemos hacer bastante ahí. Es un peleador muy bueno, mi respeto es para él y, y para, para sus habilidades y todo pero pues tenemos peleas fuertes y creemos que, que esa es buena para nuestra carrera. Okay. So I respect this kind of uh, opposition. So this was the agreement since that I, I signed the contract with uh, my promoters. I want to fight the uh, best uh, fighters available. And I think this is a great opposition for me. It's a good test. And I'm going to show what I'm made for. Let's start off with the bit the the, the size. Uh, he's a huge super middleweight at six foot four. He has a seventy nine inch reach. Uh, comparatively, you're uh, you know hover around that six foot mark, but you know you're looking up at a guy for a change. Uh, how do you plan to attack a guy who he wants to just stay from the outside, jab, 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 and keep your arms length? Vamos a empezar con, con ver que es un tipo extremadamente alto, que es un tipo que va a tratar de pelear desde afuera, llaveándote. ¿Y cómo, cómo planeas tú pelear con este tipo de, de boxeador? ¿Qué, ¿Qué clase de pelea piensas hacer para tú ganar la pelea? Eh, bueno, pues yo creo que con, con mi rapidez, creo que soy eh, algo rápido y puedo mejorar todavía más. Y sin duda va a ser una, una muy buena experiencia so actually he's a he's a tall fighter certainly he is but i'm used to fighting the super middleweight division which uh, i wasn't the bigger guy but i got my hand speed so i'm very fast in my hands uh so i i, I like to to try uh body shots uh, and see how can I slow down and can make him uh, stand in the ring with me, and then I will look for a knockout by the later rounds. So he's a tall fighter, but he lost with uh, um, Liam Smith. I'm sorry, with Liam Smith was it? Yep, Liam, Liam Williams. Yep. Liam Williams. So that that was a, a fighter that 
wasn't that big and he he beat him so i think i can do the, the same thing but in, in the faster way how much of, now i know that you guys look at i know that you guys are doing a lot of scouting you're working on this here how much do you look at especially at those last two fights of foxes a fight with mark anthony hernandez that was on pbc on fox and a fight with williams ago okay what works what doesn't uh, how much do you do? How much? How much do you just rely on? Well, this is what Jose is good at. This is what we're going to try to do uh, to heighten his skills. Okay, Armando, ¿qué, qué has podido ver tú en las peleas de Aliante Fox que las dos últimas peleas que peleó con Mark Anthony Hernández en PBC y la última pelea? ¿Cómo vas a tratar de de anular sus habilidades como boxeador? ¿Qué qué qué ¿Qué <tose> para poder entrarle rápido y con golpes con golpes fuertes. Okay. So in my last preparation I, I was supposed to fight uh, uh Barajas Jose Jose Barajas uh mm -hmm. tall uh super middleweight from California so um, in my preparation I prepared myself to fight a, a taller fighter uh moving my hands so I'm working the body So I think uh, that was the reason that I was uh, uh, able to take this fight with this taller fighter. I don't think his size or his skill will be a problem. Um, I, I, I would like to work in the body. I think that's the key. How do you avoid, I guess, keeping your composure, you know, losing your composure? Because this is a lot to take in. You're, it's a co-main event of PBC's first card on Fox of a new year. It's your your the champion of what super middleweight is in the main event. You are the co-main event. How big is it for you not to get overwhelmed by the moment, to put more pressure on it, to you know not lose sight of what's at stake? Armando, eh, estás peleando una pelea importante ahora. Estás peleando en la pelea coestelar del primer evento de PBC en Fox. So, ¿cómo vas a hacer tú? para lucir, es decir, para, para llevarte el crédito que tú crees merecer en esta pelea. ¿Cómo, cómo piensas tú que, que deberías hacer la pelea para, 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 para que se te dé el crédito que tú andas buscando? Eh, pues la verdad, eh, creo que nada más haciendo mi trabajo. Yo voy a subir a, a, a desenvolverme lo mejor que pueda y, y tratar de, de buscar mis mejores golpes y pues ya veremos si, si soy de la, del agrado de las personas, del okay. público. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I'm saying, I'm always fighting for my fans, so I would like to uh, finish this fight. I, I'm, I'm going to look for a knockout. I would like to show up that I'm an I'm a elite middleweight And I, I, I deserve a title shot as a title shot as soon, so I will I will be doing my best to finish this fight uh, against this big or good oppos opposition.
I'm guessing your promoter in the beginning thought, let's give you somebody else instead, you know, try to maybe give you somebody like a Linnell Bellows, Mike Gavron Gavronsky, somebody a little more easier. And I know, but you said you wanted tougher guys. What makes you so confident? Like, Because most guys won't fight a Lantez Fox till maybe 20 fights, 18 fights. You've only had 11. What makes you confident that you're ready for a guy this established and this, you know, this tall? Mira, Armando, seguramente desde que firmamos el trato, te propusimos peleas como Mike Grubansky, como Lanel Bellew, que son boxeadores más fáciles que uh -huh. eh, Aliante Fox. Usualmente los boxeadores eh, solo pelean con Aliante Fox, con ese tipo de boxeadores como Aliante Fox. Cuando tienen 18, 20 peleas, tú solamente tienes 11 peleas. ¿Qué quieres hacer tú diferente al resto? Por ejemplo, eh, otros boxeadores que ponen muchas peleas en su récord antes de pelear con boxeadores así. ¿Por qué te hizo confiar tanto en ti que tú quieres una pelea fuerte de entrada? Pues yo me siento capaz. Primeramente yo me siento capaz de, de, de aceptar retos, retos más grandes. Y pues a mí me gustaría que me, algún día me recordaran por, por peleas buenas y no por peleas eh, muy fáciles, muy arregladas, que pudiera ganar muy fácil. Eh, me gustan los retos, más que nada. Y no. pienso que, que, que mis, mis promotores también deben de tener la, la confianza en mí. Ok. So I feel that I'm, I have a great team. Uh, and my team uh, really trusting me, my uh, skills. Uh, I like to take risks. I like to take this kind of big, big risk fights. Uh, I like to be remembered for the fans, for that, to be that kind of fighter that always uh, was involved in good fights. I don't want to fight 20 fights against a soft opposition. Uh, I don't want to do the same thing Canelo did, you know, fighting 20 Uh, fighters that didn't really have any anything to to test him. I like to show up that I'm able to take big fights and to do big things in this sport. Last question before let you go. Uh, so far, you've been the big bad bully. You go in there, you beat people up, you knock them out. You nobody can challenge you. Uh, this is a guy who is been in there with a lot of top fighters. He's only lost to two world champions. He's beaten guys who are good prospects. He wants to drag you to deep water and just expose you. His feeling is give, get you to the, you know, the lawyer rounds and you'll freak out. How big is it for you to set the tone early, to make him realize that he's in there with a guy who is not going to fold and is going to keep a pressure from the beginning to the end. Okay. Armando, eh, esta, hasta ahora tú has sido el tipo, el chico malo, el chico que va y pelea donde quiera, el chico que va y no queda a la gente, que no, no respeta a ningún oponente, pero ahora estás peleando con un oponente que solamente ha perdido con dos ex campeones del mundo, que ha ganado boxeadores que son prospectos también, que son invictos. Él acostumbra a, a ganarles la pelea y tú sabes, quitarle el sueño. 
Sí. ¿Cómo planeas tú hacerle entender a él que esta vez no está peleando con un boxeador que se va a quedar, que se va a tirar al piso, sino con un boxeador que viene a dar la batalla, que viene a, a, a noquearlo y que viene a impresionar? No, yo, yo creo que ese, eso se va este, lo va a empezar a, a notar, yo creo, ¿no? arriba del ring. Eh, quizás, eh, bueno, yo creo que no sé si ha peleado con, con mexicanos, pero creo que se va a encontrar con, con algo fuerte, ¿no? Yo la verdad no, no pienso eh, dar marcha atrás ni, ni darle un espacio para, para que se sobreponga de mí y, y voy a salir con, con, con ese corazón y espíritu mexicano que, que nos caracteriza. So. Uh, I don't know if he has fought any real Mexican warrior like I am, but I'm not planning to give him any space. So I would put pressure and I'm going to show him that I, I was a bad boy with my past opponents and I will be a bad boy with him too. So hopefully he stands with me and he trade punches and then we can give the, fighter, the fans a good uh, fight. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have back on the show. I give you with his uh, manager, manager slash translator, Aldo Miro. I have give you once again one of the rising stars of the PBC, the Super Middleweight Division, all the way from Mexico. I give you it's Armando El Toro Resendez. Uh, Armando, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? The Twitter page, Instagram, the website. How can fans reach out to you? Armando, antes de irnos, ¿cómo los fanáticos pueden encontrarte en tu página de Twitter, de Instagram? En Instagram me pueden encontrar como armando.resendis. Eh, en Twitter igual, Armando Resendis, Armando Toro Resendis, perdón. Y, y, y en Facebook como Armando Toro Resendis también. Ok. Uh... In Instagram, uh, fans can find me as Armando Dad Resendis, and uh, Twitter Armando Resendis, and Facebook Armando El Toro Resendis. Armando Resendis, ladies and gentlemen, once again we are proud to have him on the show. We come back, but we got a whole lot more only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Last call. Last call without the alcohol. Only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And joining me on the line, this man here will be fighting on January 23rd. It is Leo versus Stephen Fulton. We promise it's going to happen this time. We, we pinky swear. But this fight is also going to happen. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be Victor Pasilas versus this man here, a man who 
Well, he's now finally getting his own into Showtime World Championship Boxing. I give you it's uh, Raiz Salim. And uh, Raiz, so let's start off here with it's no longer Showbox. It's a little more money, a little more, more exposure. Uh, how excited are you about this fight where you finally get a chance to show more people what you're made of? I'm uh, I'm very excited. You know, I'm fighting on a uh, on a huge platform on the uh, the first show of the year. You know, for uh, for Showtime and Showbox. So uh, I'm I'm very ex- uh, excited. So break it down for us. Uh, I'm guessing you and your team have done work. You've scouted Victor Pasilis. Uh, what does he bring to the table? What, when you look at him, what kind of fighter is he? Uh, well, he, he's a great fighter. You know, he's an explosive fighter. He, he's southpaw. Um, he's one of the top fighters in the division, which is also why I want to fight him. You know, I want the I want to fight the best right now. And uh, he is one of the best. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this fight. I remember when you spoke with you, his feeling was he's, he'll be able to hit you. Man. You come forward, you're a pressure fighter. He enjoys that here. How much do you look at him and go, okay, you know what? I'm going to just... You be careful what you wish for. I'm going to bring the pressure. I'm going to make it a phone booth fight. I'm going to make it so that you look and go, you blink first. <laughs> well, you know, um, styles make fights. I, uh, I pride myself on uh, being able to be diverse. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not just a, a, a pressure fighter. I'm not just a boxer. You know, I'm, I'm willing and able to do whatever is necessary to win the fight. Take us back to, we're going to go back more to this fight a bit, but take us back to the last fight because it was, it was, it was, I think you could say it was basically just chaos from the start. You, you fought Marcus Bates, you won that fight. Uh, you and a lot of the people were getting juggled because it was supposed to be Leo versus, the, uh, you know, Stephen Fulton. That fight got moved. Uh, all of a sudden, I know that you, we were talking with Tremaine Williams. He was looking forward, I think, to fighting you. But then he got moved. Then you got Marcus Bates. Uh, how tough was that when all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, okay, well, we got, we, we got to adapt. It's adapt, survive, and we'll figure this thing out. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it can it can be tough. You know, you're, uh, you're prepping and you're preparing for a, a specific opponent. And then at the last minute, you know, uh, something changes. But at the end of the day, uh, we're all warriors, you know, so a true champion can adjust and uh, do whatever's necessary to win. So um, I, I was familiar with Bates a little bit. You know, we had previously fought before. Uh, he was another top fighter in our division. Uh, but, you know, whether it was him or it, had I got the shot with uh, with Leo, I still feel like I would have uh, came out on top. Was it easier, though, with Bates in terms of, as you said, you know, you were, you were preparing for one guy, got another guy, you know, but, you know, they were talking with you and Tremaine Williams, and Williams was different, but was it easy with Bates in that, as you said, you had familiarity. You knew you could beat him. You knew you had beaten him before. Did that make it easier with the switch because, like, okay, well, I've done this before. I know what he's going to bring. It's not like it's a huge surprise. I wouldn't necessarily say easier uh, based on what I've heard, you know, uh, the, your second time fighting the same opponent uh, is a lot harder than the first. Um, but again, you know, he's a top fighter in the division. So it, 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 to me, it wasn't an easy fight. I just had to, uh, to dig down and do whatever I had to do to come out on top. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, bad blood between us. You know, I'm glad I got the stoppage. I wanted to stop him a lot sooner than I did. But, you know, I still came out with the win. Take me to a stoppage because that, 
That that I was very impressed with because a lot of guys they knock people out early. Then when it gets later to the rounds, the power doesn't carry, or they get too tired, or they're just trying to conserve. That tenth round knockout, how nice was it for you that you showed not only could you knock him out, but your power carries from round one to round ten. Um, it, 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 it was really good. Uh, I wanted to get the knockout, but I, I believed if I stayed at the course, the, uh, the knockout would come. And, uh, eventually it did. It came in the 10th round. I, I wanted to stop him earlier, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't trying to push the issue. You know, I wasn't going out there swinging for the fences, you know, in the early rounds, even though I wanted to stop him. Uh, you know, I just kept my poise and stayed the course and, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that I got that stoppage because I didn't want to go the distance with them, although I'm prepared to go the distance, uh, uh, a strong 12. We're going to go back to this and a whole lot more, but for, uh, take me to the bubble. This will be your second time here. So the first time I'm guessing it was an experience because I've talked to a lot of fighters and it's like, okay, you get tested and tested again. You're put in quarantine, you get tested again, and then you, you're stuck in your room like a 10-year-old you know, during timeout. Uh, how tough was that for you, being one of the first people in the bubble and having to go, okay, well, I'm getting a lot of these swabs, you know, I'm just getting everything stuck in my freaking nose, and well, I want to get the hell out of a room because, damn it, I, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I want to take my own run and not be stuck here forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, fighting in the bubble was a, uh, it was an experience. You know, a lot of fighters are uh, creatures of habit. You know, we uh, eat at certain times, we do certain things, we cut weight in certain ways, you know, so uh, to have that changed, uh, you know, can be a, a big adjustment. It can throw you off your game. But I feel like I, I, I adapted well, um, especially after the first time, you know, the second time I kind of already know what I'm getting myself into. You know, and uh, it's just kind of the way things have to be right now to be able to, to compete. So uh, I'm not making a big deal out of anything. I just uh, I know how to prepare myself this time around. It's been it's been a tough year for a lot of people, including yourself, I'm guessing, because I'm you know, when it first started, when 2020 first started, I'm, I assume that, you know, you're going, OK, this is going to be the Rai Salim year. We're going to be fighting at least. You know, 2020, you know, three or four times. Because each year you've done that, you know, when you're going to get bigger opponents, all this stuff. How tough was it for you, you know, where, especially when you're, you know, you reside in Nevada, where a lot of stuff got shut down. You couldn't go to gyms, couldn't, you know, go certain places. You're on lockdown. Nothing's open. I mean, how much was this past year for you tough in terms of every, as you said, your creature of habit, all those habits, they got thrown out the window. Yeah, it was uh, it was extremely tough, you know, uh, when when you're uh, hoping to fight, you know, and you don't know when that fight's going to be, you know, uh, top fighters, we don't have the luxury of just sitting around and doing absolutely nothing. You know, we have to work out, but the gyms are closed. So, you know, you have to get creative if you have to uh, do calisthenics at home, if you have to uh, do road work even when you don't want to, you, you have to do something. So that's kind of some stuff that I did. You know, I had to meet up with my coach and just kind of hit the mitts and do calisthenics and some stuff that I don't normally usually do, but uh, just to get me out of the house and to stay active uh, because I was hoping to fight again and I didn't really know when that would be, you know? So uh, it, it, it was tough, it, you know, it was semi-depressing you know, but I didn't let it get the best of me. I just stayed positive. And then luckily I got the call 
and I was already, you know, prepped and ready, and I was able to go. What was the toughest part about all those long layoffs? I mean, and how how did you make money when, as you said, you're a fighter, you get paid to fight? You know, but it's not like the NFL or NBA where you're, you know, it's a million dollars and you can just sit there for a year. How tough was it? You know, some days going, okay, how am I gonna, you know, pay for the electricity? How am I gonna pay for the rent? How do I put food on the table? Because there's no money right now coming in there. Yeah, it was a, uh, it, it was a uh, extremely tough and stressful. You know, uh, some of those thoughts was kind of weighing on my mind. Luckily, you know, I, you know, try to have some money tucked away in case of emergency situations and stuff like that. So uh, I didn't really want to have to use any of that, but at certain times I did, but it was stressful because I didn't know when that next paycheck was going to come. I didn't know when or if at all in 2020, if I would have been able to uh, fight again, you know, uh, just based on how everything was going, everything being shut down and stuff. So it was extremely tough. I just, uh, I just stayed the course. I just kept working out tried to save my money as much as I could and uh, try not to get too depressed. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we got it's uh, Raiz Salim here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, COVID. We're talking uh, January 23rd. We've got a lot of things going on with this young man here as he will be fighting Victor Pasilas here. We talked to, you know, we, when I talk with a lot of fighters about everything that's going on, but the main thing everybody brings up here right now is the uncertainty of what's going to happen going forward. And as you said, for a lot, if you're not with the PBC, if you're not with my match room, top rank, you don't have a TV deal. You're a bit lucky here. I mean, you've fought several times for Showtime. I'm guessing this is part of a, a Showtime TV deal. How nice is it for you that you at least can go, all right, I, I you know, I have X amount of fights on a contract, you know, Showtime will bring you back for X amount of fights. Or is it still for you like a one, you know, a, you know, a fight to fight deal with Showtime? Um, it's still kind of, kind of like a fight to fight deal. Um, I love Showtime. I uh, love fighting on that platform. Uh, huge fan of Showtime, but it's still, you know, kind of like a fight to fight deal. I, I expect to, uh, you know, uh, put on an amazing performance, uh, get a victory, and uh, to have the world title fight be on Showtime. You know, to be the main event on Showtime, but it's still a fight-to-fight deal. This fight here, as you mentioned before, it's going to be January 23rd. Uh, he's a, he's the house fighter. He is a guy who signed the PBC and uh, TGP, TGP promotions. You know how this, how this game is. It's, and when, you know, as I know, we, we don't talk politics here, but bigger-wise, with boxing politics, home fighter gets, you know, gets the, you know, the, the rounds. Home fighter gets the benefit of the doubt at times. Uh, how tough is it going into this fight knowing that he has, you know, the advantage because, hey, his, you know, it's his promoter and their show. And, you know, usually the judges want to make sure that they get, they get invited back to these shindigs. Well, you know, um, this isn't my first undefeated fighter uh, that I fought in, uh, especially in their backyard. You know, I've done that two, three times in my career so far. Uh, it just, you know, it just is what it is. You, uh, each and every time you step in the ring, you have to uh, prove yourself, you know, and I'm going to go out there and prove that I'm the best man and that uh, that I, I have to get a clear victory and or get a stoppage, you know, but I, but I believe I'll come out on top. I try not to think too much 
on, uh, you know, this is his backyard, this is his judges, and this, this, and that. Can that play a factor in some fights, controversial fights sometimes? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, that's not in my thought process right now. Fight like this, as you said, you're, you're a pressure fighter. He's a bit of a pressure fighter. Both you guys, similar power, not one punch power, but your power carries, and you guys can both hurt somebody here. How much could this come down to just adjustments? You know, as, we, as we've seen, your plan A has worked so far. Nobody's been able to stop it. His plan A, it's worked so far. Nobody's been able to stop him. How much of this comes down to whatever you guys are doing, we, you know, the winner of this fight is the guy who makes those adjustments, who makes the minor changes so that he could prevent, you know, either Vic, you know, you preventing Vic or him from preventing you from taking over the fight. Um, yeah, the adjustments is going to be huge. Uh, but, but also, um, I, I think the, uh, the championship rounds, you know, we're, we're both, uh, warriors, uh, top fighters in our class. So, you know, um, I'm prepared to go the distance. I believe I can finish, uh, extremely strong, uh, in the 12 round fight. I don't believe he can. Um, I think, you know, uh, if he lasts the championship rounds, I think I dominate those rounds. Uh, who, who's in the best shape, who can make the best adjustments, uh, and who's, uh, yeah, having the best IQ. Well, there you have it, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I, we are proud to have on the show. I give you, uh, it's rising super bantamweight contender. I give you the undefeated uh, Raiz Salim. Uh, Raiz, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, the Instagram, the website? Where can fans reach you at? You can uh, you can find me on Instagram. I've been kind of uh, low key for a while, just uh, you know things going on with COVID and whatnot. But uh, you can find me on Instagram at Raisaleem Boxing. Raisaleem, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Uh, we come back though. We got a whole lot more. Only on it is last call. Last call with the alcohol. Only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Joining me, but on the line, this man here, well, he is, uh, you might know him from MMA fighting. He is all over the place. And, well, he is one of the best, let's say, MMA radio shows available. We're looking forward to seeing him his analysis here. So we're going to be talking all things UFC, Bellator, and even 1FC. I give you once again, it's uh, Mike Heck here. Uh, Mike, it's it's finally happening. ESPN on ABC. We thought that would never happen to be on NBC or CBS or ABC. It's finally happening here. How big is that? I mean, I know we keep saying, oh, yeah, they've been on Fox. They've been on ESPN. How big is it though, on one of the three-letter networks, ABC? It's pretty big, man. I mean, anytime you can get on network television, I think it's big. I know they were on with Fox for a while. And, yeah, that's kind of cool. But, I mean, I don't know how old you are, Chris, but I grew up, I was born in 1983. So Fox to me was kind of like, at least growing up, it was kind of like, I knew it was a network 
TV station and everybody could get it, but it was kind of like a second tier one, at least to me. But ABC was like one of the gold standards, ABC, NBC, CBS, like those are the top three. Fox is definitely in the mix, but I didn't think I really held it into the same standard as as an ABC. So this is massive. Like I grew up watching ABC. There's big time boxing matches, wide world of sports and things like that. So to be meshed in with, with those sports programs and, you know, even, even like the old lineage of combat sports, Monday night football began on ABC and, and had a long run there. This is big. I mean, anytime you can get more eyeballs on your product, especially when people don't have to really pay for it is huge. I think this is a, this is a big thing for the UFC. Now, you've been bullish on the main event, and I get it. It's not a title fight, and you know most people want a title fight, but Max Holloway, Calvin Qatar, and there's a lot of people who, who swear to this day that Max Holloway beat a champion twice. You know, they are, you know, I know people who still say that he's, you know, his fight against Alexander Volkovsky, that second one, should have been, you know, for, you know, in favor of him. How good is this fight? And, how, and can Calvin Qatar, you know, hang with a guy who just throws, you know, as good a punch as any, any non-boxer in mixed martial arts? Honestly, with the three main events on file between this one, Kiesa versus Magny, and then, of course, you got McGregor versus Poirier, I think this is the most fascinating and most competitive main event of the three. I, As soon as this fight was booked, I, I would say even after Cater beat Danny Ige, I was like, this is the fight you have to make. You have to make Cater versus Holloway. One, because I don't care what's going on in that division. I don't care if Zabit uh, Magomed Sharapov has won all these fights and he hasn't fought Yair yet. The path to the title or a title shot, in my opinion, goes through Max Holloway. So the fact that that Yair didn't fight, the fact that Zabit decided to hang out and wait for Yair or try to campaign for a title shot that just never came to him, this is a massive opportunity for Calvin Cater. And same thing for Max Holloway. We even see Max Holloway fight in a non-title fight in years and years and years. So this is different. This is you know, sort of a different landscape for, for, for Holloway. And it's, it's a different landscape for Calvin Cater too. And I think the big question heading into this fight is like you mentioned, a lot of people thought Max Holloway won the second fight. Max Holloway thought Max Holloway won the second fight. Dana White thought Max Holloway won the second fight against Alex Volkanovsky. Is he past that? Is he overlooking Calvin Cater in lieu in, in hopes of getting a third fight with Alexander Volkanovsky. That's a huge question heading into this fight. Calvin Cater thinks that Max always overlooking him. And if it, if that is the case, that's a big problem because I think some of the advantages that Max Holloway has had in the past, his, his height, his range, his volume, I think Calvin Cater has that and even has the power advantage too. So that makes this fight so fascinating to me. You have two guys of equal stature. Cater's actually the bigger fighter. You know, is it going to be volume? Is it going to be power? Is it going to be both? What's going to be the difference in this fight? Can Cater step up and and be that next guy in a loaded division? That's a huge question to answer. And Max Holloway is is the guy to, to, to give you the answers to those questions. So I love this fight. I cannot wait to see how it plays out. And big things are going to happen for the winner, regardless of who comes out of the uh, the upcoming Volkanovsky versus Ortega fight. Do you, and I know, I, I like Calvin Qatar. I, I do. Or Cater, as they've said, I think he's a good, you know, very damn good fighter. Can he win, though? I mean, because as we've seen, when he steps up to that next level, whether it was Zabit Megashmedov or when it was Renato Makano, there's always something. I don't know if it's maybe just, as I said, the one the one punch power doesn't carry with these guys, or if he's doesn't have a, you know, the wrestling or the jujitsu enough to beat these guys. And as I said, with Max Holloway, he throws body shots. 
He's one of the few guys I see who will dig to the body and knock people out with that, as we saw what he did in you know one of his previous fights. You know, he, he's done that before. So, because does Calvin have a chance? Does he have a, a good chance of beating Max? I think he has a great chance of beating Max. I think this is a very, like I said, it's a very competitive fight. And I have a feeling like come fight. And I think the, the odds have gotten a little tighter, but I think Holloway opened is around a two to one favorite, which I was like, man, if I actually bet on these things, I I definitely take a, take a, a, a feeler on Calvin Cater right now because Cater's in a rhythm right now. Yeah. I lost to Moicano. Yeah. I lost to Magomed Sharapov, but you got to remember with the, with the Zabit fight, there are a lot of factors in play. One, that was supposed to be the co-main event in Cater's hometown at the garden in Boston. And it got shifted to Russia and became the main event of that card. And when Cater wanted five rounds, Zabit said, Nope, I'm not doing five rounds. So it ended up being a three round fight. And the momentum of that fight probably midway through the second round throughout the third round became Cater's fight all the way. So had that been a five round fight, nine out of 10 people thought that advantage cater. So I don't think he lost a lot in that fight just because of the circumstances of being a company guy, but man, he took advantage of his opportunities in 2020. No, very few top 10 fighters in that featherweight division actually competed and made noise. Never, nevertheless compete twice. Volkanovsky only fought once. Max Holloway only fought once. The beat didn't fight at all. Yair didn't fight at all. Cater's the guy who knocked out Jeremy Stevens, stepped in and took a fight that many people questioned because he was so far ahead in the rankings against Danny Gay. Did it overseas, took a big risk with that fight, but because he performed the way he did, got a big win in a main event spot, headlined a card, puts him in a very prime position. That's why I think if he beats Max Holloway, his next fight unequivocally will be for the title. Max Holloway might not be in that same position unless Brian Ortega beats Alexander Volkanovsky whenever that fight happens. So I think Cater's got a real good chance. You get two guys who don't typically start fast in these kinds of fights. They both like to let their opponents wear down. I don't think cardio is going to be an issue for either of these guys. That's why I think this fight's really competitive. And I think from a betting perspective, I think you put, I think it's Cater or pass all day long, honestly. I want to touch on another fight, which has caught my eye because at one point he was supposed to be the next, you know, we, we talk about some of these, a lot of these guys, whether it's Kadar, whether it's even, you know, Willie Zane, you know, oh, they're the breakout star. They're the breakout star. They're the next big thing here. Santiago Ponzinibbio was supposed to be the next big star. I mean, we, I remember he was, he's been on a, you look at here, a seven fight win streak, wins over Court McGee, Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, which a lot of people love that fight, and also Neil Magny. I mean, he he basically knocked out and beat up Neil Magny for four rounds. And then he disappeared. And I get it, you know, the staff infection got pretty bad. He had COVID, which screwed things up here. How big is this fight for him? And when, where does he stand down in the pecking order? Because it seems like he lost all his momentum after this almost two-year layoff. Welterweight actually needs as much momentum as he can get right now because it's so big, it's so loaded, and you get some big names up there. Of course, you get the champion, you get Kamar Usman, you know, you get Gilbert Burns, that fight's coming up in February, but then you get Covington and Mazadal, and we haven't heard from any of these guys, especially in the octagon in a while. It seems to be like that's the direction that they're heading here, but we haven't seen a fight, a fight announcement. Nothing's in book. Like, the top of this division has been in a standstill for a long time. I mean, Wonder Boy got a nice win. So it's, and then we got Kiesa and Magni coming up on the 20th. So, like, at least we're getting some movement at the top of this division. But Ponzinibbio coming back is just perfect timing. It's been a long time. He hasn't fought since 2018, since the Magni win. And coming in and fighting a guy like Li Jing Lang, I, I think this is a good matchup. This is a good little tester to see where he's at because 
Lee's no joke. Came into that fight with he fought Neil Magny uh, at UFC 248 in March, and Magny came off of a year and a half, two almost two year layoff, and looked phenomenal. It was like the best performance of his career, and it put him on this path that he's at right now. So. I think this is a good test for Ponzinibbio. Let's see if he's the same guy. And if he goes in there and, and, and puts away, or at least has a dominant performance against a guy like Li Jing Lang, the guy's right back into the mix. I don't think he's, he's probably still two or three wins from even sniffing a title shot, but a guy coming in with eight, with an eight fight winning streak and knocking off guys. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. I think that this is perfect. This is what the welterweight division needs right now. And it's nice to have a guy that's going to be sniffing towards the top of this division and is hungry for it. So I, I think the timing's perfect. I'm glad he's coming back. And most importantly, I'm glad that he's healthy and ready to go. Carlos Condit, Matt Brown. It's at one point, this is going to be a fight. We all love. It was action packed fight. Now it's, you almost wonder if both guys look bad to get cut and I get it. Nobody wants to see anybody get cut. But Matt Brown, we've, we've talked with him, and he's even said his wife has begged him to retire because of concussions, because of, as he said, you know, sometimes just issues. Carlos Conde, another guy, taking a long, just a terrible beating for all these years, leg problems, you know. He's had his own injuries here with arms, probably every joint in the body. Does either guy get cut if they lose? And should either guy still be fighting? I mean, you look and you go – at what point do we go, okay, you need to stop or else this is going to end badly for you no matter what? I feel like in my position, I can't really answer that question. Like, I feel like it's unfair for me to tell a fighter that it's like, it's his time. Like we could be concerned. There are fighters out there that, that concern me when they get in there and compete. Um, Matt Brown, I, honestly, like th these two guys are seasons. They've, they've, been in some wars clearly uh they've taken beatings they've they've been there but if we as long as doctors keep clearing them and and they want to fight have at it like i i, I it, it is what it is like even even condo like he lost he lost some fights like that robbie lawler fight that changes you forever a fight like that but Damian Maya didn't take a lot of punishment in that fight. He got submitted in the first round. Neil Magny lost the decision, but he didn't get crushed in that fight. Alex Oliveri got submitted, wasn't a beating. Chiesa, again, that was kind of a tough fight, a tough loss, but Condit was in that fight early on, and then Chiesa took over in the second and submitted him. So it's not like he's taking a massive pounding in these fights. Like the, the, the Lawler fight, yeah, that was just one of those crazy wars that, that you have. Matt Brown's taken a little bit more of a beating over the years, but – even in his last fight against Miguel Baeza, like he got knocked out and he lost, but he looked pretty darn good. That first round was one of the most fun and exciting rounds of 2020. Like the guy could still get after it. The Diego Sanchez knockout was ridiculous. I know that was in 2017, but the Ben Saunders win. I know Ben Saunders is a, is a guy that probably is, is, is in more of a position to, to think about walking away because of the damage he's taken than that probably either of these two guys. So Honestly, for, for these two individuals, this is the perfect fight to make. Like, I don't want to see Condit fight a guy like Miguel Baeza, and I don't want to see Matt Brown fight any up-and-coming 170-pounder. Like, I don't want to see, like, Matt Brown fight Hamza Chamaya or anything like that. Like, I feel like with, with where these two guys are at in their careers, this is the perfect fight to make. It's perfect matchmaking. You get two legends of the sport, two Wiley veterans going to get in there, and it gives us the chance to appreciate these guys because we don't know – how much longer they do have in the tank. So I think it's a great co-main event. I think it on ABC, I think it sets up perfectly for Holloway versus Cater. I like the matchup. And I think at this point in their careers, 
I mean, who else are they going to fight? Like this is this is the matchup we wanted to see. Uh, here's a side note here because you you mentioned before you don't like telling fighters what to do, but it should be for doctors. You and I both know there's a lot of doctors who will clear anybody, and I get it. You know, all the family should only be the ones to tell them what to do, or their you know their loved ones. They rely on the money. I mean, as I said, most of these guys here, it's not like they have another career to go to. There's no more you know you cush USC gigs here. We, you and I know a lot of these guys, or we we've gotten to know some of them pretty good. You know, we know about what their family life. We know about you know what their goals are, where it came from. When do we step in as the media? And I'm and a guy that it's a tricky, it's a slippery slope and a tricky thing. But when you get when you know these guys, you know you know as he said, Carlos Condit never backs down from a fight. Matt Brown, he's one of those guys. He'll take three punches to land two, five punches to land three. Never met a, a brawl that he didn't, you know, enjoy. Since they are, they won't ever quit because it's not in their DNA. Who does convince them that, hey, you got to listen to reason. You got to listen to the family. We don't want to see you end up like Meldrick Taylor, like any, you know, pick any boxer here, James Tony, where you can barely understand them. And they have, you know, you know, severe Parkinson's disease from all the blows and all the beatings and all the, even gym wars they were probably in. I think with like, th- there are obviously some cases like, uh, like when I see Diego Sanchez and like his coach and, and I'm not trying to like be a jerk when it comes to Joshua Fabia, but when I see like Diego going down the road that he's on and doing the interviews that he does, like, yeah, he concerns me a little bit, but then you see him actually get in there and compete and like, he's not getting, I mean, he's getting beat, but he's not out there like getting violently finished you know what i mean and the same thing with these two guys like matt brown and carlos condit like they don't need to fight like matt brown has his gym he's has a successful company making fitness equipment like the guy doesn't need to fight carlos condit same thing i know he's into like the coffee game uh he's into the, like the, the the fashion world with his jeans and stuff like the guy could the guy doesn't need to fight if they it's just something in them that they just they enjoy it it's part of their drive. It's what make them makes them compete. It's what makes them tick. And I feel like both these guys are smart enough to know, like when that door is shut, they know that they can lock up behind them. Matt Brown has been close to that. He's talked about his wife and all that stuff. And when he's there and I feel like he's going to get there at some point, uh, he, he will, but I, I just don't think that he feels like he's done yet. And I feel like neither of these guys can walk because this fights, they've tried to make this fight a few times and, even after Condit's win over Court McGee, we're like, all right, this is great, but like, we don't want to see Condit fight anybody in the top 15. Let's give him Matt Brown. We've, we, they try to make this fight two or three other times. Like, these are the kinds of fights that you put together. Like, the matchmaking is important too. Like, if you want to do like, I know the UFC's not going to do like a Legends League or anything like that, but these are the kinds of fights. Like, either you run back like old time classics against fellow veterans, or you match them up against veterans you haven't fought against yet. I know I hated the Matt Brown by is a booking. I like this one, like something like this makes sense to me. Um, let them go for, for a little while longer. Like if you actually interview them, either of these two guys, they're very sharp. Like the, 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 there's nothing that's concerning about either of these guys. When you actually like talk to them and have conversation with them, like Matt's looked into, you know, CTE and things like that. He's changed his diet because of that. Like he's researched like, brain injuries and and how he's felt physically and emotionally and mentally. So like these guys like know where they're at, they know what they're doing. So I'm not, not as concerned about these two guys as maybe others, but again, I have no idea what it's like to be a fighter. You, I'm sure you're the same, especially at this point in their careers. It's hard to, to say that we can show concern all we want, but 
again, it's, it's hard for anybody from like a journalistic perspective to, to step in and be like, you know what? I hate that you're fighting. You're done. I don't think we have a right to say that to either of these men or women. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we got Mike Heck here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, UFC Fight Night. We're talking ABC. We're talking, of course, Holloway versus Qatar. Let's talk about the other one. I mean, I know there's, you know, the big pay-per-view with Poirier versus McGregor. Magni Kisa, it's, it's a good fight. I like it, but... How much has this fight card suffered because you've had a lot of withdrawals? I mean, you've had at least six fights canceled, including Leon Edwards versus Kamzat Shemaya, which everybody in the world wants to see but follows mixed martial arts. I don't want to say it's a letdown, but how much of this card is sort of like, oh, it's nice, but, you know, it's like it's like getting a sandwich instead of a steak dinner. It's like, oh, yes, it's nice, but I really want that steak dinner. This is This is the kind of card you want to see – on a Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Like, this is the kind of card you want to see on a Wednesday morning. So I'm fine with it because there are some really good fights on this card. Like, it is, and we've seen it throughout 2020. Like, we've seen fight cards fall apart, like, two hours before they're about to start, and then they come through with this just wild night of action. And I feel like we get some good ones here. There's a lot of under-the-radar stuff here. Obviously, KSM Magni is a lot of fun. Lerone Murphy versus Douglas Andrade is a great fight. I'm really looking forward to that one. Jerome Rivera coming back in there, taking on uh, Davis and Figueredo's brother. That's crazy to see his debut. Roxanne Mataferi against Viviani Ararujo. That's a fun fight. Uh, we get the UFC debuts of Victoria Leonardo and Manon uh, Fiorot. Love that fight. Tyson Nam versus Matt Schnell. We got the UFC debut of Mason Jones, the two-division Cage Warriors champion against Mike Davis. Like, there's a lot to like on this card. Yeah, it's not... It's not as loaded as the 16th card. It's not as loaded as UFC 257. But if you're a fight fan and you're looking for action-packed stuff, if you're looking for an excuse to take the day off from work and watch some fights, there's a lot worse that I've seen on paper than this one. There's a lot to be excited about, especially if you're a fan of up-and-coming prospects and, and debutantes and contender series fighters and things like that. There is a lot of action. There's a lot of bonus money to be won here. Uh, Munir Lazez is back on this is back after he, he was one of the heroes of the first fight Island trip. So again, th- it's not the sexiest card on paper. Some of these names might not be household as of right now, but in terms of like matchmaking and from a competitive standpoint and guys and gals who could break out, this is a pretty good card. I've seen way worse. It's funny. One championship is going to be having their first fight card of a new year in 11 days. Uh, and, and they've already probably taped these here, but, so, but it, I'm looking at some of the fights here, and one of them that stands out is Shinya Aoki versus James Nakashima. And again, a lot of American fans were not impressed with Aoki when he came over because, you know, he has those weird pants, wasn't allowed to wear them, and he got start, you know, basically starched by Eddie Alvarez and Gilbert Melendez. It's still a good fight. And when you look at that, this is a fight where I'm looking at James Nakashima. This is one of those guys who you don't know of, probably flew under the radar. Bellator missed him. UFC missed him. As a fight fan, how excited are you about this where you might have a fight where either a legend gets to win or you have a guy like this American kid who all of a sudden just comes out of nowhere and this could be his big break. This could be the fight that puts him on the map. I feel like personally, like for the last, I don't know, probably since like I started covering the sport, James Nakashima is a name that I've been hearing for a long time. Like 
from because uh, I mean, I've, I, you've, you've obviously interviewed fighters who came from the MMA lab and worked under the tutelage of Benson Henderson and John Crouch and James Nakashima was a name that always got thrown up by anybody you interviewed on the team. And he started off red hot LFA he was getting win after win after win. And I'm su- like you said, I'm surprised that the Bellators and the UFC is like didn't really even t- like didn't even really give this guy a look like didn't even get a shot on the contender series. It was it was bizarre to me. Goes on and signs with one wins his first couple of fights. Then he fights Yushin Okami and beats him convincingly and then gets a title shot against uh, Abasov and got knocked out in the fourth round. I mean, they obviously see something in Nakashima to match him up with a guy like Shinya Aoki, uh, especially on a card like this. So yeah, it's fine. I mean, Aoki is a, a name. It's one of those situations where a guy has an opportunity to get to get put over by a wily vet or the veteran comes through and, and surprises some people and sends some, some folks home happy, especially uh, from where this, this event's going to take place and who they're trying to cater to fan wise. So I like the fight. It's, this is not the greatest one card of all time. That's for darn sure, but this is still a fun fight. I I believe Nakashima is, is, is still an interesting prospect in this division. I mean, that was the first lot. He's coming off the first loss of his career, taking on a, 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 pretty much a local legend down there in Shinya Aoki. I like it. It's fine. Not the greatest card. I would take the UFC's Wednesday, January 20th card over this card any day of the week and twice on Sunday, but still it's fine. It's a fun cut. It's a fun fight, fun card. Last question for let you go. And I know you're busy here because you have several shows you got to do and you have, you write for MMA fighting, but when is Bellator going to announce their cards? Because they were, they came, they ended the year red hot. You had, you know, Lee Malay McFarlane, you know, Juliana Velasquez, that to me was one of the fights of the year. You had Cyborg debut on CBS Sports, you know, or lead that CBS Sports card. You had all these great fights, all these, you know, big things. I mean, Nakayev versus Lakhanov, that to me was one of the best fights I saw action-packed for an undercard fight. That was on Bellator. And yet we have heard nothing from them, huh? What are you hearing, and when do you think Bellator gets back on CBS Sports? Uh, the last I've heard, they're targeting like mid to late February. That's what I'm hearing right now. Uh, I wish they would do a better job with like announcing these cards and like giving us enough time because, listen, I understand that 2020 sucked for a lot of people. I understand that 2020 left us with a lot of hurdles with the pandemic and stuff, and I know that some of the lingering effects of that are going to carry over into 2021. Totally understand that. Bellator did a nice job outside of the, uh, of the cage, if that makes sense. Like they had some good fights in the cage. They made a ton of signings, like some really good signings, like a lot of good free agents, a lot of good up and coming prospects that people have had their eye on. Like if you, if you go and read like any of the old, like fighters that need to be signed to big promotion list in 2020 that we saw in like January, February last year, Bellator snatched up a lot of those fighters, which is very smart on their part. And then at the end, making the big splash, getting Rumble Johnson and getting you all Romero, AJ McKee cementing his place in the Grand Prix finals to fight the winner of Patricio Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez. Like now everybody's all fired up to see Pitbull versus AJ McKee. If that can get put together, I think they're in a good spot right now. I think they, they ended 2020 with a, with a lot of momentum, especially with the old Romero and Anthony Johnson signings. I hope sooner rather than later they, they make this announcement. Like if they're going to come back in February, which it seems like that's the plan, they should probably announce this pretty soon. I would say 
especially with the UFC getting ready to come back on Saturday, this week could be a nice time to maybe steal some of that thunder from the UFC and make an announcement. Maybe you announce the Pitbull versus Sanchez fight. Maybe you, you announce the debut for Yoel Romero or Anthony Rumble Johnson, hopefully against each other, because I feel like if you don't make this fight now, you're making a massive mistake. You know, I, I feel like sooner rather than later, make an announcement, but it looks like February is the answer, but I have no idea what's going to be on this card or who's going to be taking place on it, but uh, looks like Bellator will be back by this time next month, maybe five or six weeks from right now. Last question for let you go. And I've asked this with the last several guests from uh, MMA junkies, Nolan King from Share Dogs, Keith, uh, Keith Schilling to weave in Jason Burgos. I know the UFC says, oh, they pat themselves back. Oh, we did a great job. We, we were fantastic. And people are giving Bellator credit. How much credit should go to just the fighters, though? Because we, we and I feel this, you know, but fans don't take appreciation. They're not NBA but basketball players. They're not soccer players. They're not football players. It's not like they can go practice on a field and, you know, stay six feet apart, social distancing. They don't have the big bucks coming in. They can't just sit out and go, well, we get COVID. We're not going to play a season here. We're talking, you know, working class guys. A lot of these, you know, men and women have second jobs. They have families. They run gyms. For everything that went that happened last year to this year, and for all the sacrifices that they've made, how much credit should we give them for basically going, all right, you know what? COVID's here. Screw this. You know, one foot in front of the other. We're having fights. We're going to do this. We're, let's do this whole thing. I mean, you got to give them a lot of credit. Like, it's that's kind of a hard question to answer because as much as I hate to admit it, especially after that smear video that Dana White put out in the UFC, like, yeah, no, like, forget about Dana. I don't well, care about Dana. I mean, from Bill. No, Ford. that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. That that the UFC themselves are putting out this narrative that it's like, without us, not only would there not be would, would there not be fighting, there would not be sports. Like because of us, sports returned. And when you put on a narrative and you have a name like Dana White does, it's hard. It, it's hard to go against that. Like the casual viewer and even like the hardcore fans of the sport are like, Dana, you're the man. Without you, none of this would be happening. I wouldn't be watching the NFL right now if it wasn't for you. So it's hard to ignore that. At the same time, great for the fighters. Great for the fighters to come through. And and I thought Dana laid it out great. And I thought the fighters laid it out great. If you want to fight. You can fight. If you don't want to fight, you don't have to fight. It's up to you. But this created some great opportunity for guys like Brian Kelleher, guys like Giga Jakadze, guys, of course, like Kevin Holland, Davis at Figueredo. Like we saw fighters who had all this talent and had tons of potential get chances to prove how good they really were. And it was awesome. Like without that, like without the fighters this year, isn't what it was like Dana and the UFC deserve a ton of credit for getting this ball rolling, but without the fighters this year is not as successful as it was like Dana White's not in there when Brandon Moreno and Davis and Figueredo are beating the brakes out of each other for five rounds. They're not there when Aljamain Serling is submitting Corey Sandhagen in the first round in a massive fight. They're not there when Cody Garbrandt's knocking out Rafael Asunso or Sean O'Malley's knocking out Eddie Wineland. He's the, they're not there. Like the fighters are the ones that have to create these moments and create these highlight reels. And while the UFC was huge in getting the sport up and running and creating protocols that made sense, the fighters came through when it counted. And to me, 2020 is going to go down as one of the pivotal years of the sports history because of what they were able to do without fans, with, with, with sort of 
different kind. It was just, it was just different. It was just a different world. Like, look, Hamza Chemaev just coming in out of nowhere and making moves like opportunity knocked these fighters answered. They deserve a ton of credit for what they did. And for those fighters who decided, you know what? I don't want to fight. That's fine. They, they deserve credit too. They deserve credit too for sticking with their families, not jumping into a, to a risky situation, but the fighters who stepped up entertained, they deserve a lot of credit. So I give, I give them a ton, absolutely a ton of credit. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you uh, from MMA Fighting, uh, one of their top guys there. I give you Mike Heck. Uh, Mike, before I let you go, where else can fans check you out? At? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Uh, where can fans also check out your own show? Uh, you can check. You can just follow me on Twitter at Mike Heck underscore JR. You can find me there. That's where you find everything. Uh, do a ton of stuff for MMA Fighting. Have a show called Between the Links. It's analyst versus analyst. They answer questions and debate some stuff out. And then we got uh, What the Heck, which is basically an interview show. And then I'm there for the weigh-in shows, the preview shows, the post-fight shows, all that fun stuff. Uh, I do a matchmaking podcast with Alex K. Lee called On to the Next One, which is a lot of fun. So pretty much like five, six days a week, especially with, during fight weeks, uh, you'll see me doing something uh, either on the podcast network or the YouTube page. So uh, just follow me on Twitter. You'll find all that stuff. And uh, appreciate you uh, you having me on, Chris. I know we've we haven't been able to cover a Bellator event together in a while, but uh, it's good to hear from you. Always great to hear from you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Heck, but we got to wrap this up. So for Mike Heck, for Alantez Fox, for Raiz Salim, this is Chris Connors saying have a great weekend, great day, everyone. I'm out of here. Stay tuned. We're going to be back on Wednesday. A whole lot more in all this only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network.